Hey, what's up? Good morning, everybody. Hey, talking to those of you watching online, wherever you're watching from. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. For everyone in the room, nosebleeds, we see you up there. And if you're watching this on demand, hey, thanks for coming back, tuning in and watching our service. Hey, it's our honor and joy to have you with us today. It's gonna be a great day. Now, listen, I gotta be honest with you. If you see me like lipping around up here, it's not because I'm trying to be a little gangster. It's because we ran yesterday. We're training for the Barbarian Challenge this next week week and I am not ready for it, but I'm acting like I'm ready for it. So if you just see me like got a little limp in my game, as you know, sometimes the strong, but it's because I'm honestly, I'm hurting today. All right. So, uh, but we're talking about the enemy and I'm here and you're here and we're going to have a great day. So I hope you're ready for it online. I'm going to need your energy to just transpire through the waves to me metaphorically. Let's make this happen because in this room, we're going to make it happen in here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're going to hop right in. We're in this series called The Enemy. And l- can I just say, like, I-, I don't like skipping. Sometimes, like, in a movie, like, I'm one of those guys, like, you can tell me the ending. Like, it doesn't bother me. I'm not a spoilers person. I like spoilers. I don't mind them. Sometimes I share spoilers with people not knowing it's a spoiler. And so I'm just letting you know, like, spoiler alert, next Sunday, you're not going to want to miss it as we close this series out. I promise you it's, it's gonna be powerful. And so I wanna make sure that you hear. Dads, I know it's a little bit different than Mother's Day. Typically the attendance on Father's Day goes down because dads, what they typically like to do is sleep in, just hang out, whatever. Men, I'm gonna encourage you next week to show up, all right? And I promise you it's gonna be worth it. And we're gonna have a donut truck here. So I know sometimes a little enticing helps out as well, all right? And so we're gonna hop right in today. We're in a series called The Enemy and we're talking about the devil. And I think this is important that we understand how our enemy works because he hates you. He hates me. He hates anybody who's a follower of Christ. And if you're just here and you're kind of searching, we have a lot of people at Cornerstone who don't have a relationship with God yet. I'm telling you that he's trying to take you out. And so we want to understand how we can fight the enemy. So hopping right in, I want to kind of set the stage for today in Ephesians chapter six. It'll be on the screens for you. It says this, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Sometimes I think it's a lot easier if you could see the person in front of you. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So what we have to understand is our enemy is real. We can't see it. And it's coming from a dark place. It's not like it's coming from this place of light. And so we've got to understand that, that the Satan is, last week we saw a deceiver. He's trying to deceive you. He wants to kind of take and twist what God says and turn it around. And then today we're going to talk about how he's the accuser. All right, he's the accuser. So we kind of say it like this. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. Now, uh, Aaron and I, we've been married 13 years. I have three kids. And honestly, like I love being a dad. There are times that it's great, but honestly, it's very hard. Being a dad is hard and being a husband is hard because those people that are in my life have their own personalities, their own souls and their own decisions. And things are so much better when they do what I want, all right? Like if they would just listen to what I said all the time, life would be great, but (laughs) women have opinions and sometimes those opinions don't go with my opinions and it can be really difficult and I don't get it right. 
Uh, I'm watching my kids get older. Next year, uh, our oldest son is going to be in middle school, which is so crazy to think about. And when I was a youth pastor, it was so much easier telling parents what to do. Like, golly, parents are dumb. Like, you just do this, 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 and this, and this is why you're here, and this is why you have these problems. But now that my son is older, um, you know, parenting is more hands-on. And by that, I mean choking you. (laughs) Parenting is tough, right? Marriage is difficult. Those things aren't easy. Like, if relationships were easy, we wouldn't have the troubles that we have in the world today. And the enemy knows our weaknesses. He knows those things in our lives that we're self-conscious about. He knows those things in your marriage, in your parenting that are your weaknesses. And that's where he throws his darts of accusations. And so sometimes for me, I just feel like I'm failing in those areas. I know men, a lot of times we, we resonate, like when we're failing in one area, we feel like we're failing in lots of different areas. And we start to think about our financial situation, how things aren't as good as they could be. We should, you know, whatever, when it comes to vehicles, house, maybe it's your job. And then you start thinking about, well, I'm not a good dad. I'm not there for him. I missed this thing. And, you know, my wife needs this. And now we're fighting and we're having these times of problems. And then those accusations start to get thrown at you. And I know for me, sometimes for myself in my situation, <laughs> I, uh, I hear like the thing from the devil, he says, and you're a pastor. And I talk back, I'm like, I know, isn't that weird? I, I wouldn't have made this choice myself either, right? And sometimes I feel like, I feel like I'm inadequate to even stand on this stage. But I understand that that is not the voice of God that comes from the enemy. And the same thing is happening in your life. In Isaiah 54, the prophet Isaiah, he's speaking to the nation of Israel. Listen to what he says. There is in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These enemies are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, I understand this is talking about the nation of Israel, but I also believe that for those of us who have a relationship with God, one day, God, he stands before us and he will silence any accusation that the enemy has against us and he will finally be silenced. I love what it says when you go to the end, spoiler alert, in in Revelation chapter 12. And for those of you who are like just curious about Christianity, just letting you know, we win, right? It's over, like we're gonna be with God. Like it's all these things that you're thinking about. I'm telling you uh, with the Lord, we're, you're on the winning side. And listen to what it says in Revelation 12. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth and the one who accuses them before our God day and night. When you think about the accuser, it literally means your adversary, your adversary. So the devil is your adversary. He's coming against you. He is not your friend. Like people sometimes talk about hell in a nonchalant way. Like if I'm going there, at least I'll be with my friends. And like your friends aren't gonna be there with you. They might all be there, but it's not like you're gonna be hanging out together. It's not going to be a party. It's not like hell just needs to turn up the AC unit a little bit and it's gonna be tolerable. When you study scriptures, you find out that this is honestly a place that no good person would ever want to go to, but sadly, many people will go there based off of decisions we make in life. 
That's why our relationship with Christ is so important. Have you put your faith and trust in Christ alone? And I'm just telling you, so we're, we're getting to this. We're getting these darts of accusations. And so he works overtime. He studies you and he knows your weaknesses. And he's seen the things that you scroll on. He's seen the things that you like. And you know how like sometimes when you're talking, you're like, man, I really wish I could use some ice cream right now. And then you're on Facebook and all of a sudden you get all these like ice cream commercials. You're like, oh my gosh, like my phone knows what I'm, because you got your microphone settings turned on or whatever, right? And so the devil knows that as well about you. And he puts those things in your life too. And he's working overtime. And then he starts to say stuff about you like, you know, you shouldn't care. If you want it, get it. You deserve this. Hey, look how hard you've worked. Hey, just buy it. It's gonna be okay. Hey, it's just innocent flirting. Just talk to him. There's nothing wrong with that. And then like you do the thing, right? Like you feel like the temptation, you do it. And then what does he do? He begins to accuse you. How dare you do that? How could you do that? Look at the situation you got yourself in. Hey, you're only here because you made this choice. You call yourself a Christian. So when the devil talks about God, he lies. But when the devil talks about you, he accuses. He's pointing the finger. How can you overcome this? How do we like withstand like this, the Bible calls the wiles of the devil. Like how do we, how do we, how are we able to stand up against him? And I, and I think there's a powerful vision we're gonna see from the prophet Zechariah. We're gonna be in several verses here today. And he kind of pictures, if you will, like a heavenly courtroom, all right? Literally like, there's like this courtroom. God is the judge and Satan is the prosecutor. And there's a guy named Joshua who was the high priest at the time, and he's on trial. And when you read in scriptures, it says that his robes were dirty. Now, in case you don't know, the high priest was the person that stood before God on behalf of everybody else. So if we were in that context and I was the high priest, in other words, you would come to me with your sins and all your stuff, you mess up, you're bringing your lamb, your sheep, your whatever, and you're like, we gotta sacrifice this. I go before God. I'm the one that's making these sacrifices on your behalf between you and God. I would be the one doing that for you. And it says here that Joshua's robes were dirty and stained and a priest was supposed to be clean and pure before standing before God. So obviously the imagery here is that Joshua is guilty. What is he guilty of? Well, you'll have to read your Bible. We're not getting into all of that stuff today, but he's guilty. And so the verdict is not gonna go his way. We're gonna be in chapter three and I wanna see verse one. So you kind of get the idea of like what's taking place here. So listen to what it says. Then in verse one it says, and then he showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. When you read the scriptures there and it says, angel of the Lord, I love that because you're reading like, okay, it's just an angel before the Lord. No, actually, when you study that out, that's, this is actually Jesus in his non-human form. 
There are many aspects in the Old Testament where you read about God the Father and then we can see the Holy Spirit, but where's Jesus? We think of Jesus, New Testament, he was born of Mary, a Virgin Mary and blah, blah, blah. And we think of Jesus that way. But when you read the Old Testament, where is Jesus? You get a picture of Jesus right here. This is the angel of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I think that's really cool that in the Old Testament, we see Jesus here and he's standing also before God and against the person who is guilty. And he's the one telling Satan to shut up. That's what rebuke means in English, all right? (laughs) Uh, Does that offend anyone? All right, because I don't feel bad. Okay, so just I made, I said it to make myself feel better, but, but okay, we continue. Here you have Joshua, he's the high priest and he's in dirty robes. And you're in this courtroom, you, you probably felt out of place a little bit. Have you ever dressed up for something and felt totally out of place? Like if you've gone somewhere, you're like, I thought you said it was business casual. I'm in jeans and like everyone is like dressed differently. You ever been to a place like that or you walk into a restaurant and you're like, whoa, this was way nicer than I thought or whoa, totally overdressed for this right? Like the first time you walk into a Ruby Tuesdays, you're in a suit and tie, you're like, oh my gosh, it's one of those, oh, it's just relaxed people, right? No? Okay. So you ever done that? You know what I'm saying though, right? So my sister, when I was in Bible college, she was also in a Bible college. And so I was in Missouri, she was in Oklahoma City and I was going to come visit her. And so uh, at the school that I was, it was a little more relaxed. We had what was called casual Fridays. We didn't have to wear ties on Fridays. That's how it was like, all right? And so uh, just totally different day. And so I went to her school, and her school was completely different. It was a Wednesday night. She went to a fairly large church, a couple thousand people there. And when I showed up to this church, I was just wearing something very similar to this, I was one of a handful of guys not in a suit and tie. I felt so awkward walking in there and just seeing everyone else. I'm like, okay. It's like they all talk the same and stuff. And I was like, okay. And I'm walking around and like people are looking at you, right? And you're getting the stares and it's like, this guy obviously doesn't know how we are. This guy has no idea where he's at. And I'm trying to just like find my sister in the sea of people. And so you're saying, well, who are the other guys? Like maybe you were to hang out with the other guys that weren't wearing suit and ties. No, (laughs) the ones that weren't were like kids. Every dude, every dude 13 and older was in a suit and tie. So I couldn't even like hang, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so like, I couldn't even like, it was like six-year-olds in suit and ties. Oh my gosh, they're all, so I'm like, I'm sitting around, I'm sitting in the back corner of their like auditorium, like in the back balcony in the corner. And you know, and it wasn't like anyone was gonna talk to me anyways, which it didn't happen. I felt totally out of place. It was an uncomfortable feeling. And that's essentially kind of what's happening here is that Joshua feels totally out of place. You know, sometimes I'll watch like judge shows and I don't know if you like to watch like Judge Judy, Joe Brown, whatever, like they're, they're sometimes really fun to watch. And then I'm like look, looking at people, I'm like, why would you wear that before a judge? I know, I get it's TV, but it's still a judge, right? Like I've only had to go to court a couple of times and I won't tell you why. And um, I had to go there a couple of times and like, I, I'm gonna dress nice if I'm gonna be in front of a judge, right? And so that's what he's feeling like. And then here you have the enemy and he starts accusing and he's just throwing these accusations towards Joshua who obviously is guilty. It wasn't like, hey, he might be innocent, 
it was very apparent that he had done everything that he said. And so here he's telling this stuff, and I think the enemy does that to you, and he'll say this about you. Hey, don't you cheat? Don't you lie? Haven't you stolen? Hey, aren't you divorced? Or hey, haven't you looked at pornography? Haven't you hurt people? Haven't you gotten mad? Haven't you yelled? Haven't you let your kids down? Haven't you, you know, done this with your attitudes or whatever? And he starts saying these things, whatever that is for you. And he says it to you and we take the weight of those accusations and we begin to feel unworthy. We begin to feel like I can't stand before God. There's 52 Sundays in a year. We only get 52. And that's why every single week we put as much time and and effort and energy into every single Sunday because there are only 52 but I can't tell you how many times on a Sunday I'll stand here and I just feel like I should not be the one standing here because I am just a regular person just like you and I mess up just like you. I have bad attitudes just like you. I do things I don't wanna do and then I get to come up here on a Sunday and tell you what you should do because it's easier to tell you what to do than to tell me how I should live. So that's happened a few times, right? But the devil is the accuser. Jesus is your advocate. He's your advocate. And I wanna read this to you in 1 John chapter two. It says this, my dear children. So this is John, one of Jesus's closest followers, one of his three. He was in Jesus's inner circle. He's like, I am writing to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who is truly righteous, made right, justified, has never sinned. He is pure. Jesus lived humanity for 33 years and never messed up one time. He was perfect. And so Jesus stands up for you. And he stands up for me and for anyone else who has a relationship with God and says, and he stands before the father and he pleads our cause on our behalf. We're the ones standing there in dirty robes and he's the one standing there and saying, I have paid for this with my life. He's the one that does that for us. He's our defense lawyer. He's Johnny Cochran for us in our life. He gets us out when we should be in. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. (laughs) Sounded better to me in my head, but I guess you guys didn't think so. Online, do you even know who Johnny Cochran is? I guess guess Gen Z won't even know what that is, right? But if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. All right, so, (laughs) okay. No. Verse four, and the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. In other words, Jesus is standing there in front of everybody. Here is a guilty party. God is standing there. The devil is standing there. Joshua is standing there knowing what is the verdict. What is my punishment? What is my crime? And Jesus says, no, take off that dirty robe. 
and we're going to clothe you in something better. Now, I don't have a robe because I'm not one of those kind of guys, all right? But my daughter has a robe, and she's adorable in it, as you can tell by this Minnie Mouse robe. And like, there's nothing better than seeing my daughter. She just takes a bath and then she puts on her little robe. It's the cutest thing in the world, all right? I'll fight anyone over that, okay? Like she puts this on, I'm like, oh my gosh. Just amazing, like she's clean, she's had this bath. She's been running around hanging out with two older brothers who are just gross and disgusting. And now she gets to put on this robe and she just looks so good in it. I thought about putting it on, but it's definitely way too small and I'd be singing like that guy in a little robe. So I didn't want to do that. But it's the only robe that I brought because I wanted to bring the picture of what it would be like. That you were dirty and guilty. You deserve the punishment. And Jesus says, no, I will take that. And now here in this moment in front of everybody, we're going to take off the dirty robe and we're going to give him brand new clean robes. He went from rags to Dolce and Gabbana, right? It was like, this dude was like, they, bought the, they brought the best for him. It wasn't like subpar, it was the best. And so listen to what happens next in verse five. And then I said, who is I? This is Zechariah the prophet. Now he speaks up because he sees what Jesus just does for him. It says, let them put a clean turban on his head. They are from the Middle East, right? Today be like, yo, give him that fitted, right? That fitting, right? Like he put, put a hat on the dude, right? So they give him this hat, like put a clean turban on his head. And they put a clean turban on his head and they clothed him with the garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, listen to this, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Now you have to understand what Jesus just told Joshua who literally thought he was going to be guilty of his crime, now standing in like fine clothing going like, whoa, like this is crazy, like plot twist, right? Didn't see that one coming. Jesus doesn't say to him now, Joshua, you've been forgiven. You must now earn your status back with God. You were the high priest, you're the low priest, and you gotta work yourself up to medium priest, quasi-priest, high priest. He doesn't tell him that. He says, no, you can be back here. He doesn't drop him down to like lower management. Hey, if you can just kind of keep the temple courts for a little bit, clean it, earn your way back, then you'll be restored to your position maybe one day. He says, no, we're putting you back at the top. He gives them these fine garments, and then he just tells them, serve the Lord. He says, follow God, walk in his ways, keep his charge. He's like, God forgave you and we don't hold it against you. That's the amazing thing about God. Like he doesn't forget things, but he has the ability to like move on past it in a way like as human beings, it's very hard for us to do that. Because when someone hurts us, even though we may forgive and it can take a long time to forgive, we still hold on to that pain a little bit. And here in this moment, saying, I'm not holding it against you anymore. 
Listen to what it says. It says, walk in my ways, keep my charge. You're gonna be the ruler of my house. You're still gonna be the one in charge of the temple, which I love that imagery because what is happening there is because priests were supposed to be a picture of perfection on behalf of God for us is that God will take flawed, broken people and still use them in places that they shouldn't be. Why? So that God can say, I get the glory, not you. You are here because you think you earned it? No, you deserve none of it and I still put you there anyways. And so here in this moment, the enemy wants us to feel what? Guilty and shame. He wants us to feel shame. He wants us to feel horrible and he wants us to stay away from God. This is how it typically happens. I've been uh, in the church world long enough to know how it is. And for those of you, we have so many people at Cornerstone who are just coming back to faith, just coming back to church, you're watching online and that's you. Like you haven't, you've been tracking with us online but you haven't come back to church because you feel like you can't step foot in church. You make a mistake, you live some life, and you find yourself one day woken up, maybe you're married, maybe you're divorced, maybe you have kids, maybe you don't, maybe your finances, whatever it is, you wake up one day and you realize I've drifted a lot farther than I thought I was going to. But God, I don't know if he really loves me. I hear God loves me, but I can't go back to church. I mean, I try praying. I want God to forgive me. I believe God forgives me, but I can't go back. And when we feel guilty and shame, we try to hide. That's what we saw last week in the garden. Uh, Adam and Eve, they mess up. What are they? They're trying to hide. And when you feel guilty and shame, we try to hide because we don't want God to see us. And so we stay away thinking that if we just stay away long enough, he's gonna forget about it. Or maybe we'll forget about it. And we can just get to a place where we can just move on in life. And I think so many of us miss out on the life that God intended for us to live because of guilt and shame. There are so many of you here today that are missing out on what God has for you because you're saying, I think I just need to stay away. I think I need to just stay away. And so what happens is for those of us who have a relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit, I think this is so amazing. He lives inside each and every single one of us who have a relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit, when he lives inside of us, he does this, it's a theological term, it's this word called conviction. In other words, when we mess up, there's this thing that goes off. It's a warning label. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Hey, this is not what God wants for you. Like, this is not God's best for you. You're moving away from what God has for you. And we feel that. And so instead of dealing with that, we just try to push it away and just keep doing what we want. And there's this lightning bolt that goes off until we just, finally you hit snooze enough, it's like it just stops. But the conviction's still there. And that is our warning light that says, pull back to God. When your car is messing up, you got the lights and it's making that noise, what do we do? Keep driving. I'm rolled till this thing falls down, right? We rolling, right? Ooh, that engine sounded bad. Every time I start my car, I feel like, oh, is it gonna blow up? And what, what do we do? Oh, let's just keep driving it. Let's see how far we can take it, right? When it's not, uh, it's time to change your oil, you're like, I'm gonna skip it. 
So you skip it, and it's fine. But now you're like two oil changes in. And now your oil's super low because you hadn't even been changing it. And now it's just using it up because your car eats oil, right? And you're like, you know what I'm going to do? Pop a, pop a thing of oil in it and we're good. And you keep rolling in your car and your car's making more noise. It starts to rattle now. You're like, it's just a rattle. Every car rattles. It's rattling from all the bass that I'd be throwing on in this car, right? These six inch, these six inch tweeters are doing, it's fine. And then your tires, you're just wearing them down. You're not even like rotating them, right? And your tires are just straight up bald. You're like, I like to drift. And you keep rolling your car. And all these warning lights, now like every single light in your car is flashing. Like, I like disco anyways. Boom, 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 right? You're like, it's like Night of the Roxbury. You're like, mm, mm. You're just like, I'm rolling. I'm fine. We're good. None of this stuff matters. And you keep driving your car until eventually it like blows up or breaks down or you're the person over there and you're like, oh, what happened? Like, I don't know what happened with my car. It was just fine. It was just a couple lights. And you drove it till it was completely broken. When we see the lights, most of us, we're gonna go take it in just to check it out, just to make sure that everything is okay. That is what's happening inside of those of us who have a relationship with God. There are these warning lights that are going off. Hey, you're going off track. Hey, I don't want this for you. And you can ignore it long enough to where one day you wake up and your life is broken. Not because God doesn't love you, not because he wasn't trying to chase after you, not because he wasn't pursuing you, but because of your decision and your choices, you kept driving your life until it was broken. But the amazing thing about God is in complete brokenness, like Joshua, he takes us and says, I forgive you. And then he doesn't say, now, Daniel, that I've taken your broken life. Look at this mess that you've made. Work your way back up into God's favor. He says, no, done, forgiven, restored, start over, go. It's like he takes the broken car. You come like push, pull, or toe. And they're like, you know what we're gonna do? Sir, I've seen him. You just took this car and didn't treat it the best. Pick out any car you want and it's yours. But with what catch, just go. That is what God does for us in our life. He gives us the best and he's like, go. Yeah, I know you did all of that. I get it. You're forgiven, it's done. Go, go. That's experiencing God's grace and forgiveness. And when you truly experience God's grace and forgiveness, why would you want anything else? It's a cheap substitute for love. And that's what God does for us. I love this idea, it's not original. You may have heard this before, but it says the devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin, cheater liar, adulterer, but God knows your sin and calls you by your name. God calls you by your name and your name means something to God. It may not mean anything to your spouse. It may not mean anything to your kids who you've lost touch with and now don't have a relationship with. It may not mean anything to your parents who you haven't spoken to in years. Your name may not mean anything to your coworkers or your boss, but your name means something to God. 
And we can't allow the enemy to rob our relationship with God because we feel his accusations. What you do is when you feel those accusations and we feel the condemnation, the enemy begins to tell you what you're not. And what you can't do. But Jesus is our advocate. He pleads our cause. He stands on our behalf and he steps up and says, no, Daniel Woodcock right there. Yeah, I paid for his life. I've already paid for the penalty of his sin. I've already paid for it. It's done. He's forgiven. You keep doing you. You keep following me. You live after me and I'm restoring you to your place. The devil is a liar and Jesus is truth. And the scripture says that the truth sets us free. And the battle belongs to the Lord, not us, to God. And when we allow him to do it, we see the victory. And so when you you feel the accusations. You can't pastor. You don't deserve to be married. Your kids can have a better dad than you. You are a failure. You begin to let God fight your battle for you so that you understand who you are in Christ and don't listen to the accusations of the enemy anymore. Some of us are keeping ourselves from experiencing the life that God has for us today because of the accusations that pierce your heart. Jesus is on our side greater than any lie the enemy can shout and the attacks that come against our heart, which is why we say, give your heart to God. Because when your heart belongs to him, he fights for us. And so this morning, I don't know where you're at. You're watching online. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with God because you felt like you had to do something right, clean your life up, get a little better, and then you can start following the Lord. No, right where you're at, wherever you're at here in this room, you can give your life to God today. And he forgives you. And you get to start brand new. It says in scriptures that, we, that the, all the old things about us pass away and the new has come. We're a brand new creation. And for those of you here who are followers of Jesus, you've listened to the lies too long. The accusations, even right now, are screaming in your brain. The things that you aren't and the things that you are and it tells you that God doesn't love you. And yet here you are, you're still here this morning because the Lord wanted you to know that that's a lie. And he's pleading our cause and you're guilty. And he says, I've already forgiven you. Follow me, I'm restoring you back to where you were. Today is our opportunity to leave here experiencing the grace and forgiveness and mercy that Jesus wants to give you. Let's pray.